You are listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. How was 2022? <laughs> that was a very big sigh from the front. <clears throat> Uh, highs, lows, I, I was thinking about the, the Sabell household. It was, it was pretty rough, 2022. Um, grace is amazing and God's kindness to carry us and to keep us, but wow, what a ride, <clears throat> 2022. Yesterday, I was um, sitting with the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. And uh, you should do this sometime. Just Google Charles Spurgeon and suffering. Just do that for fun. Um, And so you're getting a lot of Spurgeon quotes this morning, purely based on some that that I felt I needed to hear. And, And I think there's some people in this room that need to hear as we look ahead to the next year. I'm not... I'm not sure what 2023 holds. What I do know for sure is I know who holds 2023. And I know that um, what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, he was called in the 1800s. He was... His pastoral ministry was the 1800s. He says this, it would be a very sharp and trying experience to me to think that I have an affliction which God never sent me, that the bitter cup was never filled by his hand, that my trials were never measured out by him or sent to me by his arrangement or their weight, of their weight and quantity. He goes on to say, our afflictions are the health regimen of an infinitely wise physician. He told his students at his pastor's college. And he continues to say, I dare say the greatest earthly blessing that God can give to any of us is health with the exception of sickness. If some men that I know of could only be favored with a month of rheumatism, it would, by God's grace, mellow them marvelously. <clears throat> I think 2022 is, has mellowed me marvelously. He meant this mainly for himself, though he dreaded suffering and would willingly avoid it, but he said this, and this is the end of Charles Spurgeon until I get to my sermon. He said, I'm afraid that all the grace that I have got in my comfortable and easy times and happy hours might almost lie on a penny. But the good that I have received from my sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. Affliction is the best bit of furniture in my house. It is the best book in a minister's library. 
When Paul asked the Lord to take affliction from him, in 2 Corinthians 12, this is what the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <clears throat> John Piper in 2005, six had was diagnosed with cancer and wrote many things, but he wrote, one of the things he wrote was, don't waste your cancer. 10 ways not to waste your cancer. And number five, he said, you'll waste your cancer if you think that beating cancer means staying alive rather than cherishing Christ. I, I don't know what's going on in your life and what holds, what, what the future holds, what, what the news will be next week or the week following, but as I have thought of stepping into 2023, what I know for sure is I want to, I want to cherish Christ. And if it means if it means more valley than mountaintop experiences, I want to cherish Christ more than I want to be delivered from the valley. And I also want to learn to never stop calling out for mercy in the midst of the trial. You see, this is a reality that sometimes he receives greater glory by your life being in the midst of the valley and the trial. And at other times, he receives greater glory by delivering you out of it. And so we ought to pray, deliver us, Lord. At the same time, we ought to worship him and cherish him in the valley. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you open them with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to read verses 46 to 52. <clears throat> the story of Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse 42, verses 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to, to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him 
on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Could we just pray for a moment? Father, we ask you to come by your spirit. We ask you to speak to our hearts. We pray with the psalmist, open our ears and our eyes that we would see wonderful things in your law, I pray. We ask you to give us a fresh glimpse of Jesus, our Savior, that we might love him more dearly. We give you thanks in your great name. Amen. Well, to position us rightly before we jump into this text, I think it's helpful that we look back before we look ahead so we have a right perspective on the story this morning. Mark chapter 10, verses 32 tells us that Jesus is leading the way. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but he's out front leading the way with his disciples. Jesus' eyes are fixed. His feet are swift. His eyes are fixed, and he is moving towards Jerusalem. Why is he moving towards Jerusalem? Verse 45 of chapter 10 tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to give his life as a ransom for many. For those he is called, for those he loved before the foundation of the world, for those, if you were on Christ this morning, if you are in Christ Jesus, he was on his way to Jerusalem so that you might be in Christ Jesus. According to our story, they're only miles away. Jericho was 15 miles northeast where the Son of Man who came not to be served in 45 verse 45 but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many will do just that. In verse 34, he'll be beaten, we read. He'll be flogged, he'll be mocked, he'll be spit upon and he'll be killed. What's gonna happen in Jerusalem is Jesus is going to give his life in exchange for our lives in the place of those who deserve death for their many sins. So what's consuming Jesus' mind at this moment was the giving of his life. That's why he's out front leading the way as he's heading to Jerusalem. This was the hour or the reason that he'd come to the world. And although his eyes are fixed and his face is set as he's as his feet are swiftly carrying him to Jerusalem, his ears are still tuned to the helpless. And in this case, to a man by the name of Bartimaeus who is blind and who is sitting at the road, side of the road, begging. There wasn't a lot of hope for guys like Blind Bart. In those days, Roman government once wasn't sponsoring any kind of social services. There was no braille for the blind, no special schools. You were pretty much on your own to find yourself a comfy place by the side of the road and beg or you starve. Fully dependent on others for his sustenance. We're not sure exactly how long he'd been blind or how long he'd been sitting by the side of the road begging, but we do know from our story that this was all about to change. 
And isn't it amazing that everyone who has ever encountered Jesus, their life forever changes? Jesus is about to stop. Why is he stopping? Because someone is calling out for mercy. And Jesus always stops for those who call out for mercy. I have two points this morning, and my first point is this. Jesus stops in response to Bartimaeus' cry for mercy. Why does Jesus stop? Because there's a, a desperate, loud cry from the helpless. And, and notice in our text, it's not just one cry, but there's several. And, and they keep getting louder. Can, can, you, can you just think of these words? Desperate, loud cry, helpless. The cries get louder. P picture Bartimaeus on the side of the road. Desperate, helpless with loud cries, and the loud cries keep getting louder. You see, Jesus is the savior of the helpless, and that's why he stops. Jesus' stopping is in response to a loud cry of the helpless, which is made in faith. Before Bartimaeus could call out, he had to have a good reason to do so, don't you think? I mean, like, He's sitting there, he's blind, but all of a sudden he's hearing reports. He's, he's hearing. He's, he must have heard the stories of so many others that, that, that something that began to happen in his heart, faith was given to him as a gift to believe some of these stories that, that he also could be made well. If he did it for others, could he do it for me as well? I mean, look what's happening in the region and happening all around. In Mark chapter 6, verse 56, this is what it says, speaking of Jesus, and whenever he came into villages, cities, or countrysides, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. This man had to hear these stories. Or what about in Mark 7, 22, when Jesus has just healed another blind man? Jesus stops and amidst all the other noise of the people, amidst the crowd, amidst the, his face is set to Jerusalem, he stops and he, he tells the people to be quiet and, and he calls, he, he hears Bartimaeus calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. No, notice what he's calling out here. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, it would seem to, be, it would seem to point to the fact that, that in some sense Jesus was the Messiah or he had some understanding of Jesus being the Messiah because he calls Jesus the son of David. Charles Spurgeon, speaking about blind Bartimaeus in his book called The Power of Christ's Miracles, said this, and... Um, and I, I'm unapologetic this morning for Charles Spurgeon 
helping me in this sermon. Looks when he said, I suppose that speaking of the blind man, that he sat in the midnight darkness that was his perpetual state. He thought much and having heard from the seed of David, there had arisen a great prophet who worked miracles and preached glad tidings to the poor. He studied the matter over and concluded that his claims were true. A blind man might well see that fact, if at all familiar with Old Testament prophecies. And as he heard more and more of Jesus and, and compared him with the prophetic descriptions of the coming king, he felt convinced that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Then he thought within himself, if he were ever to come this way, I would announce myself as one of his followers. I would proclaim him king whether others acknowledge his royalty or not. I would act as a herald to the great prince and shout aloud that he is the son of God. And then he goes on to say, the man has no eyes, but he had ears and a tongue and he took care to use the faculties that remained to him so that when the Savior passed by, he cried out to him with all his might. He made his confession of faith and offered at the same time a personal petition for mercy as he cried aloud, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. See, this is, this is a desperate cry. It's a desperate cry to the only one. Somehow the news, somehow hearing the stories, maybe being familiar with some of the Old Testament prophecies, the connection was taking place in his heart and, and the gift of faith was given to blind Bartimaeus and as he sat there, he knew that Jesus was coming down the road and that his, this was his moment. And so it was a desperate cry. It was, it was a cry to the only one. He knew the only one who could forever change his life. He's not too concerned about what others think in this moment. As a matter of fact, we see from our text that they're trying to get him to quiet down, trying to hush him, leave him alone, don't bother him. He seems to be causing quite a commotion but he's desperate, he's desperate. Something has transpired on the inside of him and his heart is made new and he knows Jesus is coming by and he's desperate. Verse 48 says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried all the more. This guy is, this guy is legit, I mean, he means business. And it was not enough for blind Bartimaeus to hear the stories. It wasn't enough for blind Bartimaeus to have good content of, of the Old Testament prophecies and the news in his head. There was so much more. It was, it was, he wasn't content to have knowledge or information. That was insufficient for Bartimaeus. What he heard and was told made him yearn to experience Jesus' healing power. And I wanna ask us a question as we are embarking on 20, 
2023, when was the last time you experienced Jesus' power? When was the last time you expected his power to break into your present circumstances? We read in Hebrews that his word, this, the scriptures are living and active, that in these scriptures we are to encounter Jesus, not take in a bunch more information. If we attend Bible studies so that we can get our Bible understanding rightly and we don't attend Bible study so that the God of the Bible would speak to us and want to transform our lives and change us, then we should stop going to Bible study. Whew, never thought you'd hear that from a pastor. This book is meant to be living and active. What was happening to blind Bartimaeus is stuff was coming in and it was, it was like, I love uh, John Piper said one time, right thoughts in the head leads to right affections in the heart which leads to right responses in the body. What's happening in blind Bartimaeus is he's sitting on the roadside begging is he's having, he's hearing all these thoughts but Faith was given to him and he starts to understand this, this reality that, whoa, this could be the Messiah. This is, this is Jesus, the Messiah. It's worth getting a little loud about. It's worth getting a little passionate about. It's worth all the noise of the crowd telling me to hush up. It's worth saying, hey, I don't care what anybody says. For us in 2023, for us to love this book, but this book to be living and active in a way where we encounter Jesus in the scriptures, where we love Jesus more because we open it every day. I was thinking this week, well, I didn't have much time to think. I was thinking from Friday afternoon how often my cry is not desperate. I don't know, do you, do you feel desperate? Do you feel helpless and desperate? We don't, rarely do we. What are, what are the reasons? Maybe, maybe it's because we, we're concerned what others think. Two thousand twenty-three should be a year of, of desperate cries from helpless people. For all kinds of reasons. For myself, for my family. God, I'm helpless. I'm desperate for you to be living and active in a way that Jesus appears and shows up when I read and changes my heart and my mind so that I can be the husband you've called me to be, so that I can be the father you've called me to be. If, if you don't help me, Jesus, I'm helpless. I'm, I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you because my neighbors need to see you, Jesus, in me. My, my friends need to see you, Jesus, my unsaved children need to see you, Jesus. Those 
who are weak and sick among us need to see you, Jesus. We're helpless, we're weak, we're desperate, are we? Blind Bartimaeus was. I think of what's silenced or, um, if you're not silenced, muting, what's muted, my desperate cry in the last while would be sometimes time. Time mutes our desperate cry. We've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and nothing happens. Is that you? Just something you prayed about for a long time and you're just kind of tired of praying? Quit praying maybe? What about opposition? Opposition comes in various forms. Other voices. Is, is God really good? Is he really that big? Can he really do that kind of stuff anymore? Can he do what you're asking? Does he care? Discouragement. Discouragement will silence your cry. Desperation and helplessness. How about you this morning? As we begin 2023, the best state we could possibly be in as a church is desperate and helpless. The absolute best state we could be in. So are you. On his way to the cross, Jesus stops for one more cry for mercy. But on this side of the cross, he stops for every cry for mercy. Has your cry been desperate? Or have other voices silenced your cry and... Or have they made your cry louder? No one has ever cried out on this side of the cross for mercy and has ever been denied mercy. And there are so many things we pray for. And I, I don't know how much you know about my past, but I was, a, I was a crazy charismatic one time. And you're probably thinking you still are. You scare me sometimes. You know nothing, and I've done nothing. There is, there is not even a charismatic bone in my body to the way I was at one time, okay? Just telling you. But I was a, cra- I was a crazy charismatic. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I could write a book, and it would make your hair curl. Promises. But I think we swing pendulums, and we... Man, there was a day where had bad theology, maybe a little bit, but really loved Jesus. And then I got really good theology, and then I, it was all about theology, and somewhere Jesus drifted off. Has that ever happened to anybody? 
Why can't we have good theology and why can't that make us love Jesus more and believe that Jesus is big and huge and can do anything? And, and why wouldn't we pray for that? A- Andrew Wilson heard him say not too long ago, he's an author and a preacher, he said this, he said, when it comes to physical healing, God's answer is never no. It's always yes or wait. It's never no, it's always yes or wait. But like, who does the healing anyways? <laughs> the, the gospels were written to remind us that in this life, some get healed and some don't. But is it our responsibility to determine who does and who doesn't or should we just be helpless and desperate and say, Jesus, whatever could bring you the greatest glory, but we cry out like blind Barmatus, son of David, have mercy on, you name him, who is it? Who needs a healing in their body right now, son of David? Have mercy on them in the form of a miracle. Wouldn't it be great to see some present day real miracles? Come on. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. What, what about if you're here and you, you're saying this stuff is all new to me. Jesus, the one who stopped for Bartimaeus, is present among us by his spirit. And all you have to do is to call out to him right where you are. Don't trust in your own good works. Place all your trust in Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, the savior of the world alone. And he will change your life forever. Jesus will stop in response to your cry for mercy. My last point, and I need to go quick. Jesus calls Bartimaeus. He not only stops for his cry for mercy, he calls Bartimaeus. Stops and then he calls him. Verse 49 says, take heart. This is what the shushing crowd now tells him. Take heart, get up. He's calling you. Look at verse 50, throwing off his cloak. He sprang up and came to Jesus. Throwing off his cloak. Bartimaeus leaves his only possession behind to run to Jesus. The Savior had called him and now he needs nothing else. What do you need to throw off and run to him? What hindrance do you need to cast off? What have you been all weighed down by? It's interesting in the Gospels, Mark in particular, every time that Mark showed someone following Jesus, he pointed out that something was left behind for that person to go with Jesus. Do you remember Simon and Andrew abandoned their nets in Mark 1.18? James and John left their father with the hired servants in the boat and 
Chapter 1, verse 20, Levi walked away from his tax booth. In 2.14, Jesus commanded the rich man to sell all his possessions and give to the poor in order to follow. In 10.21, Peter pointed out that the disciples had left everything to be with Jesus in 10.28. In a similar way here in this text, Bartimaeus left behind what he had in order to come to Jesus. And I love that when he did, we got some hum going up here. Not sure. Okay. Um, Sound man must have stepped out. (laughs) Am I going crazy or is there a hum? There's, I'm going crazy? Encouraging. <laughs> well, that makes, that makes you more crazy for sitting there and listening to me. <laughs> it's, uh, pro- it's progressively getting louder, so I'm not... casts off his coat, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I, I find that's interesting. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? But Jesus, Jesus wanted to hear Bartimaeus confess specifically his need. Desperate, helpless people, when Jesus stops and he calls you, you leave behind whatever, and you stand in the face of Jesus and when he says what do you want he he wants you to be specific I think we need to be more specific in our prayers and he says let me recover my sight Jesus responses go your way your faith has made you well the CSB says your faith has saved you NLT your faith has healed you In verse 52, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The Savior stops. The Savior calls him. The Savior him, transforms him. Notice Bartimaeus' response. He follows him on the way. He follows him on the way. Are you, are you mindful of the mercy shown you and has it made you want to follow him and love him more and want to be with him? Want to be close to him? One final, Spurgeon, can, 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 uh, involving this text, he said of the blind man, he used his sight for the best purposes. He saw his Lord and kept to his company. He determined that he who gave him his eyes should have his eyes. He could never see a more delightful sight than the Son of God who had removed his blindness. And so he stayed with him that he might feast his eyes upon him. If God has given your soul peace and joy and liberty, use your newfound liberty in delighting yourself in his dear son. Jesus, in our text this morning, was out front and leading the way to Jerusalem so that he would heal a much greater blindness. 
That's why John Newton wrote, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We were unable to have a cry for mercy or to be desperate or to be helpless until we saw our need. But Jesus sent his spirit and awakened our heart that we might see our need. And Jesus stopped. And Jesus called us. And if you are in Christ this morning, it is because of his amazing grace. In closing... Fanny Crosby, does anybody familiar with Fanny Crosby? Wrote almost 900 hymns. Um, One well-meaning preacher once said to her this, I think it is a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered so many others' gifts upon you. To which Fanny Crosby responded at once, as she had heard such comments before, do you not know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind, said the poet, who had been able to see only for the first six weeks of her life, because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. She wrote lyrics like this, I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent, his love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Or how about this, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. She was one, I don't know, but I assume that many had prayed for her and she never received her sight. But her greater blindness and her greatest need was met in Jesus. And I can promise you that Fanny Crosby is standing for before the one who she longed to see face to face And it was his face that was the first face that she saw. And so 2023, what's happening? What's going to happen next month? What's going to happen in two months, three months? What's going to happen this year? What are we going to be talking about and and thinking about? What's going to be so much different 10 months down the road? We don't know. But we do know this. If your eyes have been awakened to Jesus, he stopped for you, he called you, 
And he wants you to come again and again and again, helpless, desperate, needy. He wants you to come and say, Jesus, your only hope in this life and in death, you are our only hope, Jesus. And we want to live for you with everything inside of us. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you would Stir our affections afresh for Jesus. Would you forgive us this morning for all the ways where for many years there's many in this room that had a very desperate cry but then it was silenced by Who knows what? Time, opposition, discouragement, maybe the crowds. I pray you'd renew in us a fresh passion to to be desperate, to confess our desperate need before you and our inability to help or fix anything in our lives apart from you and that we would run to you again and again in this coming year. Jesus, we give thanks to you for your great mercy. We love you and we praise you in your great name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Midtown, please go to midtownchurch.com.